This week on The Reverse Stick, we speak to the first of our TRS World 11 inductees, the Goat Man, John O'Shea. Stephen Finlater talks EHL and Matt gets uppity. Welcome to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. I'm John Lee, I'm your host, co-host, and I'm co-hosting with Matt, the percussionist, Alan. Ah, thanks very much. Uh, John, isn't it great to be here, mate? Show 67. There's no time for any funny numbers games this evening, but what I will say... One. uh, What? I was born in 19... 67? No! Yes! <laughs> oh, it is Boom. Episode 60. I didn't know that was coming. Um, John, just very quickly, um, it was a wind-up, the last event of the season for our club at the oh, weekend, was, yeah, yeah. on Saturday night. Um, I, uh, it was a lovely evening, a rather late evening. Um, that was early. It was a rather early evening, morning. <laughs> um, and I had the pleasure to stand up the front and uh, microphone in hand to uh, MC uh, the awards for the evening, and of course the you know the the big deal there was the uh, the individual fairest and best awards uh, for the club sides, and you know obviously we could only give out the awards to the, the people that actually turned up to the event, um, <laughs> but uh, but those that were there, uh, including yourself. Um, yeah. Had a great night, didn't they? Oh, had a fabulous evening. And I had the pleasure of plugging the podcast to the group <laughs> and uh, mentioning that the uh, the winner of the men's fifties masters, fairest and best for twenty eighteen. Don't forget Divi three. Divi three gold, gold. Divi gold, yeah, no Divi four. Is Mr. John Lee? Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I had a tear in my eye reading it out, mate. Oh, stoked. We had a pretty good team. It was fantastic. And and, and and we won the premiership. And then soon after, was it before? When? We called the team up to collect their individual medals as well. After we... Yep, soon soon after, so... individual medals. Yep, so John got his his little uh, club glass engraved and to to get the right... Was it the right team name to get on there? I think so. Not on the medals, though. I don't know. I'm not sure. And your team won the President's Award as well. We so, did, you know, for the what best, a, greatest he, team in the club. He got the trifecta, so fantastic. I was chuffed to be there. It was a fantastic night. We had a great night. Great way to end the season. And my pre-season started yesterday for uh, for next year. And, you know, for me personally, there was another highlight, Matt. What was that, mate? Well, this year I had the great pleasure to be playing in a team alongside the great Julian Rainey. One of the finest hitters and tacklers of a hockey ball. Well, look, I had a little, I had a little chat with Kegs at the bar, yeah. and uh, and I said, look, John, John's genuinely stoked to be able to play in a, in a in a Premiership with inside with you. You know, fantastic. You know, he's a guy that would have looked up to you as a a real star of the game and an inspiration and something that he he wished he could be but was never going to happen. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you also said to me you were proud and you wanted to get something signed, well, didn't you? Well, I've actually got an autograph book that I've had since I was a very young man. And yeah. it's, uh, it's got some cricketing heroes of, of my youth, such as Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh and the great West Indians, Dennis, uh, Desmond Haynes, Gordon Greenwich, Joel Garner. 
I remember standing underneath Joel Garner just thinking human could not get bigger, could they? Uh, Clive Lloyd, the wonderful Clive. Plenty of cricketing heroes in there. Also some hockey heroes. Terry Walsh is in there. Rick Charles. We're some, some great players from the WA era of the, the, the 80s. Uh, Hazelhurst's and, yeah... David Bells and Craig Davies and all of the rest of it, but there was one name that was missing, um, and it was Keggs. So I asked Keggs to sign it, and uh, perhaps you'd like to read what Keggs wrote for me. Well, this actually happened about ten minutes ago because John hadn't pulled out the book um, <laughs> since last Saturday night, and the writing's really small, so he couldn't actually read it anyway. And John, I'll tell you now. Well, I'll tell everyone now. I told you before, um, John. Get well soon. Kegs. <laughs> You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. You might have noticed we didn't play the news sting there. No, we didn't. Not, well, news or results, you know. Oh, we had this debate before, didn't we? But um, not a heap of international hockey that's gone on this week. A lot of club hockey around games. the world. Yep, um, there's some games between Wales and Scotland. That didn't actually pop up on the uh, on the FIH site, but uh, there was a 2-1 win for Scotland in the first game. These are the first games with uh, new Scottish coach Jen Wilson in charge there. Uh, where are we? Uh, 1-1 draw in the second game. Yeah, 2-1 win for Scotland in the first game. So uh, that was about it internationally-wise at the moment, John. Obviously, we've got EHL coming up this weekend. What else is coming up? EHL. Just EHL? I didn't look it up. No, we've got we've we've, coming up. Oh, on the show? No, 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 not on the show. Hockey-wise, we've got we've got the um, indoor series happening in South Africa. You've got a computer over there, mate. Yeah, but uh, can I mitigate my uh, lack of knowledge on what you're talking about? Yeah, go on. I've just been so flummoxed by all the other bollocks that's been going on in the hockey world. It's been. I must admit, I have been. Uh, less than studious in my duties to the, the greater hockey world by having my attention drawn away to stupid things administrators do. Okay, so briefly, coming up, Youth Olympic Games, the Hockey Fives, and that's available on the Olympic Channel. You'll find that on YouTube. Everything is being streamed. It's a new digital era, and it's a new wonderful game for our sport. As uh, you put it, I think it's a great photographic opportunity. Good luck to all of the participants there and look all the families that are going out to support their the boys and girls that are getting involved brilliant it's an amazing experience ahead of you and uh yeah i i, I think I, it's it's great for the individuals there i don't think it's great for the game of hockey no i agree with you how many condoms do they hand out at the no no games? ah sorry we need to um we've been pulled up what? We've been pulled up last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, We yeah, spouted yeah. off about, oh, wow, it's the under-18s and the under-21s. and no, Sorry, it's all under-21s. I knew that the bloody Youth Olympic Games is, is under-18s because four years ago I sat there watching it on the on the screen in, the, in a prenatal uh, class before my second, second popped along and uh, watched my 18-year-old mate play in there. So I knew that. I don't know why I didn't pick that up last week. Sloppy, oh, very sloppy. Is, the point being is but thank, thank you. No, look, a couple of people pulled us up, pulled us up on that, and uh, we apologise. Yes, factually incorrect. We were. Go on. What do you mean, go on? Oh, you, you're, you're the bloke that was paying attention this week. 
was basking in the glow of personal glory. There's been about 15 hours spent researching and chatting online with some wonderful hockey people around the globe. Uh, You want to know what's next on my list, do you, John? Uh, Mark Knowles, he's up for the Don Award, uh, a prestigious individual sportsman's award, sportsmen Australian and Sports women's. Hall of Fame, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they introduce one Don Award winner every that's year. That's right, yeah. So there's there's eight uh, in the running for that. From, and Mark yeah. Knowles is deservedly there. He's there, yeah. At least Perry's there, I think. Uh, certainly uh, Sam Kerr from soccer's there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and a, it's not necessarily reflective of, say, a great year as a sports person of the year might be handed out in any given year. It's more of a um, efforts and a, a award over a long period of time. And you know, Elise Perry has done it in a couple of sports, and Sam Kerr has been playing international football for a while and been an absolute jet. And so, well done to Mark Knowles and everybody are nominated for that award because it's. Uh, yeah, it's quite a prestigious little number, that one. We've uh, In Pakistan, there's a tournament taking place at the moment. Let me just pull up the details on that, John. It's the second chief of the naval staff all-Pakistan hockey tournament. Second chief of the naval staff. The second chief of the... Okay. Was it second tournament or the second chief? Uh, anyway. Uh, it's in Lahore. Uh, the chief guest of the opening ceremony was Rear Admiral Naveed Ahmed Rizvi, uh, H-I-M... I don't know what that means. He commenced the tournament by hitting the ball with hockey, which is great to see. Uh, there's obviously a camp going on there at the moment for the Pakistani guys under new coach Hassan Sada. Whilst we're talking about new coach, there was obviously an old coach there, John, uh, Mr. Ronald Altmans, who's uh, uh, now a new coach. Well, he's a new coach again now. Those that listened last week uh, might have noticed that we said, uh, well, he's not ruling out any opportunities to still be at the World Cup. He didn't know within which role he might be there. We'd heard a couple of rumours on a couple of different international associations, but quite surprised to find Roland announced midweek, well, between the last show and this show, as the new head coach of Malaysian men's hockey. Yeah. Well... Not surprising he's popped up somewhere. Surprising how quickly he's popped up somewhere. Um, working on the box set, mate. He's working on the box set. Well, <laughs> it's a very short period of time. That's India, Pakistan and Malaysia. Um, he, he, look, he's obviously a very uh, sought-after coach. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the uh, the reports and the sound bites after from Roland and, and, and others that... There was a conversation that took place in Jakarta at the Asian Games. Um, well, that seems to, that's the story coming from the Malaysians, isn't it? That, that's in, that's they, they widely widely him. reported. It's widely reported as, as, yeah. and quoted. So that's yeah. what happened. Because yeah. he's said nothing, so we'll have to accept that. But he's been pro- approached by the president of the MHC. Um, I understand not necessarily within the knowledge of the high-performance director, um, and of course, Terry Walsh and... Roland Altman's have worked together in the past in India um, and to you know and I, and I believe they, they have a good friendship and uh, you know what happens in India coaching wise that's what happens and you uh, but the rumour also is that um, Terry Walsh didn't know until the night before yeah so this is an approach that's been made by the 
by the president so or the somebody from MHC. The appointment was made before he knew anything about it. That's what the the rumour is. Just saying. Yeah, well, you know, there's lots of rumours around at the moment. There's lots of people saying things and not saying things. Uh, there are, yeah, lots of saying, <laughs> not saying nothings. Uh, I mean, look, from the Pakistan perspective, you'd be cheesed off that Altman's didn't turn around and just say, no, I'm contracted in Pakistan, I'm taking the World Cup bugger off. But as we discussed last uh, week, there's lots of issues there yeah, and, there and, and, un- and, and understandable but was he thinking of going beforehand? On the other side, they should also be a bit cheesed off that um, he was tapped up by the Malaysians, because obviously that's what the Malaysians did. Well, look, about the same time that positive things were being said by Shabazz Ahmed, and that's widely reported again on, on the yep. sites that we, we mentioned last week, whilst that's happening, there are conversations that have already been had with Malaysian hockey. Yeah, OK. So I call that tapping up. It's a free market, you know, um, it's not like it's uh, a multi-million dollar well, look, uh, if industry. The, if, if you're the Malaysian Hockey Federation, you know, sure, why not just have a quite un, uh, what you know, off the record conversation with someone? They would be, uh, you might say, they would be remiss in their duties if they didn't think they needed a change of coach and someone was available. Uh, to go to a coach. Well, the, inc- the incumbent in Malaysia is now uh, trainer and Stevens, the trainer and um, manager, uh, sorry, uh, assistant coach and manager for the side. So, and, and uh, what I believe from some of the stuff I saw from interviews with Roland, he needs that. He, you know, he needs the knowledge and um, the strength that's been in there. He needs someone that knows the players' names. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know Harry Redknapp? Mm-hmm. In soccer, mm-hmm. I just get a bit of a feeling that Roland's the uh, Harry Harry Redknapp of uh, the hockey world at the moment. I also Close understand. Close but no cigar. Well, no, no, no. But there's there's always people that want his employ. They, they, there's, uh, I mean, he's got some kind of magic that people always want associated with their club or their national association. I wouldn't be surprised, John, if he didn't pop up with a European club doing something in the next. Two weeks? Two or three weeks or whatever. Wouldn't, okay. wouldn't be shocked um, at all with that. But, um, look, fair play. You know, Malaysia have, have, have made a move and uh, they think it's going to give them a better chance for Tokyo 2020, I guess, and, and the World Cup also. Mm. See how it goes. Let's see how it goes. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And it's our pleasure to speak to you on the show Stephen Finlater because the EHL is about to kick off. And if you want to talk EHL, Stephen's a man to speak to. Greetings, Stephen. How's it going, lads? Fantastic, fantastic. Looking forward to round one in Barcelona this weekend. Um, are you getting over there yourself? Yeah, yeah, flying out uh, Thursday, Thursday evening. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm along with every single one of these EHL events, but it's, uh, I suppose, as we mentioned probably before the the KO16 in in uh, earlier this year, that my my home club Three Rock Rovers are also playing in it. So, uh, so I've got an extra busy weekend, uh, not just promoting the EHL, but also trying to stick a few articles from the, from my club into the the newspapers and hopefully have something good to report about. Now, uh, there was some fantastic support last time around from the three Rock Rovers uh, crew. Are you expecting some good numbers to travel with you? Uh, 
Hopefully, but I, I can't imagine that they'll travel in the in the same numbers as the, as they did the last time around. Basically, we, we had a good we had a good boost that time around because we had about a hundred 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 and twenty kids from the club who were uh, who got involved in uh, a number of different tournaments over in in Amsterdam at the time. So they were playing tournaments in Amsterdam and Rotterdam and and then coming down and watching the matches themselves uh, in, in the K O sixteen. So we haven't uh, been able to organise something similar along those lines. So be a, a little bit quieter this time around also the time of the year it's kind of back to school time and all this whereas eastern holland is a is a lot easier to get a big crowd out to them so uh yeah i i think it might be there'll, there'll probably be a few quite a few hardcore uh elements of the of the club but maybe not quite as uh big numbers oh the ultras <laughs> well, yeah, yeah the, the rovers ultras <laughs> well they do they, i mean the uh the, the the team from time to time does like to refer to themselves as the galacticos so uh so maybe maybe <laughs> how very modest of them <laughs> yeah. Stephen, the the ehl is probably the premier club competition in world hockey uh it was a fantastic competition last year uh what are you expecting this year? Is it going to be the same old faces, or are we going to see some rising talent coming through, some other clubs perhaps peaking up? Yeah, I mean, uh, last year was very much dominated by the the Dutch sides. I mean, we had with uh, Kampong and and uh, Rotterdam and uh, yeah, uh, all, and Bloemendal, obviously the the eventual champions, all making it through to the final four. So I mean, the, the, you know, there's a you know the the Dutch are very much the the ones to beat, but uh, you know anything can really happen when it comes to the knockout stages, in, including the the draw, pitting a, a number of them against each other. So, I mean, we do have a number of different faces over the entirety of the the 24 teams, with Rotterdam and Bloemendal not qualifying again this year. Wow. There were some suggestions in a couple of a couple of places that uh, Bloemendal should be allowed in because they. Uh, the, uh, because they won it last yeah. season, but uh, it's 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 not not in the rules at this stage. And uh, yeah, I mean they didn't they didn't end up doing the business in their domestic league. They ended up uh, finishing fourth overall, which I suppose is indicative of the the quality of the the Dutch league. So in, instead of them, we've got a, a fairly impressive Amsterdam side, and then the one that's going to be playing this weekend in the, in round one in Barcelona, and that's uh, Aranya Road. So they they won it back about two or three years ago. 2015 uh, when they were under the Aranya's Vart banner but they've since amalgamated with the uh, Eindhoven Hockey Club and uh, together they've, they've formed one of the biggest clubs in Holland and uh, yeah they're going to be a fairly formidable outfit so they're they're heading up Pool A this time around they're playing against SV Arminen and uh, Grange from Scotland I think uh, you'd be hard pushed to, to look beyond Aranya Road for, for top spot in that group although Arminen did in that 2015 uh, competition. They did meet Aranya Road and uh, pushed them right the way to the end. It was 1-0 till about a minute from the end and then there was a real collector's item of a goal from Mink van der Vierden, which was not from a penalty corner. He absolutely smashed it from open play to make it 2-0. But uh, yeah, so there's a little bit of a rematch there, but you would expect uh, a kind of a, a side pack with global superstars like Aranya Road to, to top that group. And what, what about the other groups? Uh, take, take us through them. Yeah, okay. Um, so we're looking at Pool B uh, is is headed up by Mannheimer, the German side. They were champions of their domestic league two years ago. They've maybe slightly underperformed in the EHL in the in the last couple of seasons when they've been there. They last year they definitely 
should have uh, should have gone a bit further than they did. They were four nil up. That w- that's probably a two nil in in current money. They got two field goals, which counted double last season. But we scrapped that rule. Um, I think much to the happiness of everybody around. They were four nil up against Rotterdam. Ended up drawing four all, and then uh, and then lost in a shootout when they they really should have gone through. I think they were four nil with about six minutes to go in that one. But uh, this time round, I mean, they have. To a couple of Olympic gold medalists in um, Lucas Villa and Gonzalo Payat still playing for them this season. They haven't been uh, kind of drawn in by the the pro league just yet to, to take them away from club side. So they'll be uh, very much central figures for them. And then uh, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good side, coached by Michael Mac- Michael McCann, who's been there uh, a number of years yeah. and is, is forging quite a good side. They're, it's probably the best uh, best matchups in this group. They're playing against Wimbledon, who are. Um, yeah, they've won national titles for for each of the last three seasons um, in England, and uh, yeah, they've a number of the, the the GB guys who were out there yesterday: Ian Sloan, Phil Roper, two of the co-captains with the the national side under the last regime. So, yeah, good good lineup. And then Dinamo Electrostyle, Russian side. They've been yeah, they were really really good last year. They should have knocked out Uhlenhorst Mulheim, um, but uh, they ended up. Uh, yeah, contriving to concede a goal with about three minutes to go, which ended up knocking them out when they probably should have knocked out the German uh, side who went on to become the German champions. So they they, they definitely uh, can cause a few problems for everyone, and they also they're, they're kind of it's a it's a good time of the season for them as well for the Russians. They're just coming to the end of their Russian domestic league campaign, which they are heading up ahead of Dinamo Kazan, whereas everyone else is obviously uh, only about two or three uh, weeks into their uh, into their autumn season. At the start of their of their campaign here in the northern hemisphere, so uh, yeah. I was going to ask you that ask you that, Stephen. What's the early season form for sides like Mannheimer and, and Wimbledon? Yeah, decent enough. Uh, Wimbledon, I think they got uh, well. They, they they lost last weekend to Hampstead and Westminster, who'd be one of the the challengers. So so I think they've got one win from two so far. And then, uh, but then they did this last season that they, uh, I think they didn't win for the first five games last season and then managed to win the title outright, which is pretty, uh, pretty bizarre going. Uh, Mannheimer there sitting second. They did miss a chance to go top of the table last weekend in Germany. Uh, they're sitting behind Rottweiler Cologne, the, uh, yeah, who are pretty much uh, one of the perennial challengers, uh, in, in both the EHL and the German League. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they, Mannheim drew with club under Alster, won all last weekend. Um, in a yeah, a bit of a bit of a scrappy game. I think M- Michael McCann wasn't particularly pleased with how they played. He was kind of looking for for a bigger performance to to lead into this weekend. But nonetheless, they'd still probably be the the favourites on paper from from that pool B. But uh, Wimbledon are a pretty pretty tough side. They did reach the uh, the last four. Uh, a couple of years ago, and they did also beat Mannheimer the last time they uh, they met, which was uh, on a shootout, a pretty pretty nice one. Is a big Phil Ball um, who plays for play, he's finished up with Wimbledon now, but <laughs> he's one of these lads, he's big lads. He doesn't kind of a you wouldn't see him. At, I don't think at international level, but in the club game, you see these kind of fairly robust, well-built fellas who uh, mm-hmm. who still have all the skills, and he uh, he produced a, a pretty pretty special shootout to to win it for them. And that leaves us with. Oh well, we still got Pool C and Pool D to go. Uh, so Pool Pool C is probably the on paper the most clear cut one you would have thought. Royal Leopold uh, from Belgium. They were third in the Belgian Championships last year. They've got uh, Manu Brunet from from the Argentinian side in there, along with quite a few uh, good Belgian players like Dorian Thierry and Dimitri Cuvelier. And, uh, and and guys like that, so they're they're pretty good lineup. They're playing against uh, HC Minsk, who uh, are the Belarusian and the second Belarusian club to play in the EHL. 
they were only actually formed 10 years ago so uh, it's, wow. it's a pretty incredible li- uh, rise for them they, they've done quite well in the, the Euro Trophy events in the last couple of years which got uh, Belarus a ticket to the EHL and uh, they obviously took that up so so it's a bit big event for them uh, so early in their, their career I mean I think they they do have a couple of players who've played in the EHL before uh, with Stroitel Brest which is the other Belarusian side as well as Dinamo Kazan and um, and uh, yeah, a Kolosik Voya, the uh, Ukraine well one thing. Right? Congratulations. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, like that, there's probably about 15 of their squad who've never played in the EHL before. So it's pretty, it's a pretty big step up for them. And they are playing the most experienced side in the EHL uh, history, Grunwald Poznan, who are back for their 12th consecutive season. They, they wow. just win the Polish League for fun. Um, and they open their Polish season with a, a 14-0 win. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, I mean, maybe they're uh, they, they need a bit more competition in the, in, the, in their domestic league. How many it, corners? It how many corners of, of, from those fourteen though? Because they um, they rip a few, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, so they do have uh, the guy Thomas Dutkovich uh, at the back. He's uh, he's thirty seven now. He's played in every season of the EHL along with uh, uh, six of the others. Well, sorry, we're down. We're only down to six of the players have played in each EHL wow. competition. The legend. Oh, legend. <laughs> the goalkeeper Marius Chyla, He uh, he retired during the summer, reducing the number down from seven. They do have Arthur Mikula up front, who did score a hat-trick in the 2000 Olympic Games. So that gives you an idea of some of the level of experience we're dealing with here. Oh, he's only um, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so they, but they are, yeah, I mean, like, like that, they're, they're dominant in Poland, but, you know, it's uh, that they haven't had enough kind of y- younger players kind of coming in to, to replace the guys at the top end is, it has been their issue. So I, I'd, I'd expect Leopold to win that one handily enough. And then it brings us on to Pool D, which is probably the... Uh, I think probably the best matched of the of of all of them. I mean, we've made, we've got. Uh, I mean, it's probably probably a little bias on my behalf with Three Rock in there, but the the home club uh, Junior FC they're playing in their first EHL. It's yeah, they're pretty excited about it. They've been doing a huge amount of stuff with the local municipality, trying to get uh, support behind it, getting local uh, businesses, local fans, lo- local kids involved, and you know that's kind of stuff we love to see on club hockey. You know the kind of the grassroots yeah. getting galvanised and and getting to see something up close and personal. So that's brilliant. They they have had a kind of a fairly mixed start to the Spanish leagues uh, since qualifying last year. They've got two wins, one draw, two losses. Um, they did get the big one against Club Egara, who'd be one of the perennial. Uh, you know, big dogs in the in the Spanish league that they uh, that they've knocked off their perch last year to get to the final, and they do have some some serious big hitters in the in the side. Sergio Enrique, the the Spanish former Spanish captain, and, and Gabi Damaj, who's um, who won the EHL with Aranya Zvart in 2015, and has got uh, I think he's got about 20 21 and uh, 21 EHL goals in his history, including seven in one game when he was playing oh. for Leopold like three seasons ago. So um, and they've got a couple of imports yeah. in there as well. Uh, not, not especially. No. no, I mean they've they've got a from uh, from the other Spanish clubs that have have, have been good in the past, like Oriol Malgoza is, is previously with Athletic uh, Terrassa, Frank Di Mercurio from uh, from Club Igara. So they they they've got a few good players there. But it's it, like they're only promoted to the Spanish top division about five or six seasons ago, and it's uh, a decent amount of it's been done kind of grassroots kind Brilliant. of stuff. So uh, guys like uh, Mark Serahima and Mark Perion. Uh, they've come through the, the their system there, and uh, and, and that's been a, a key part of them. They're, now, Mark Perion, 
as of Sunday, I think, was he picked up a cruciate knee ligament injury. So it's pretty devastating for him. He won't be able to play in this. Himself and the and, and Mark Sarahima, they're kind of two of the big families in the club who do a lot of the organisation and things like that. So they're that they're, they're, they're uh, probably the, the the guys who are looking to be the the poster boys of all this. They're coming up against a Three Rock side who are, yeah. Uh, they had a fairly incredible season last year. They won six titles, uh, two of them in indoors. One won the National Indoor Trophy in Ireland and then the European Club Challenge 2, uh, which is the, the lowest tier of European indoor competition, but they still won it. Um, and then they, uh, they also won uh, three cup titles in Ireland as well as the Champions Trophy, which is the, the main event. Uh, since then, Richard Potts has gone back to South Africa, where he's from originally. He had a, he had a good season with the club. And then uh, their right back, Mark Samuel, has moved on. But, I mean, it's not, uh, not none of their kind of... Uh, key international players like Olympian um, Mitch Darling or Jamie Carr or Luke Madeley, these kind of guys they've all stuck around for another season uh, whilst pretty much half of Ireland seems to have moved to the the Belgian or the or the German leagues during the summer so so they've kind of they've managed to hold on to a, a good nucleus of the side and so you know I think that the experience will stand to them of having done quite well in the uh, the KO16 last year yeah, in terms of racing, they're they're very much looking at uh, a, a much changed side this summer, and so that where, where they might have previously been maybe one of the contenders in this group, I think they're probably looking at it being as outsiders. They've got injuries to Simon Martin Brizac and Jean Laurent Kiefer, who are both two of the key men up front, and then in the summer the goalkeeper Quentin Sonnier, he's moved to the Dutch leagues, and then uh, another couple of guys like Antoine Ferrec have also gone to uh, the Belgian league so they've, they're just missing just five or six of the key men from last year and I think that's going to be the thing that stands against them Stephen where can people catch up with the games are things available to, to view online yeah, so for so for this one uh, we, it's all uh, it's all on EurohockeyTV.org. We're going to have all the games. So uh, yeah, you got to get on there. You can, all you have to do is register. All all that requires is just your name and an email address, um, and we will send you the odd uh, the odd little poke to say that matches are coming up, but uh, nothing too uh, strenuous and or uh, scary from a GDVR perspective. <laughs> And so, uh, what's the end game for the teams that are involved this weekend? Yeah, so it's four groups of three. Uh, the winner from each of them goes through to the KO16, where they draw, join the, the 12 big guns who've already got uh, a buy through to the next round of the competition. The next round, the KO16, it's going to be even bigger than normal, though. It's going to combine all the KO16 matches. That's a knockout from 16 down to 8 and then down to 4. We're going to combine that with the final four of the competition. So it's going to be a, a week-long festival of hockey at Roundabout Easter next year from um, oh, April wow. 15th all the way through to the 21st. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting competition. It's obviously in line with the... Um, the, the new international calendar, uh, given that uh, you know there's a couple of less weekends available now with the pro league coming in, and so this way we we managed to get all the the, the best players available for their clubs for this uh, for this big event. Regardless, Stephen, of arguments for and against calendar changes, etc., that'd be a fantastic week of hockey. Oh yeah, like it's I mean like knockout hockey. There's not much better than it, you know like you. You know, you've got all the leagues in the world and all this kind of stuff, but like when you've got uh, everything, every single game being all or nothing, and you know, the, either kind of a you know win win to go through or lose, and you're and you're dead in the competition. You know, it's uh, it's absolutely uh, you know it's absolutely fantastic stuff. And then given that we've got so many good players and so many uh, good clubs, kind of uh, players who've been with these clubs all the way from the the grassroots right the way through to the adult level and international competition. You know, it's it's just a a really, really, you know, it's a real great festival. Also, uh, it's going to be 
We're going to be in the Netherlands once again for this KO16 to Final Four. We haven't confirmed formally the venue, but um, it will be in the Netherlands once again, and uh, they, they know how to throw a serious hockey party. So we're going to have all the, the big stands, the big crowds, and then uh, all the other stuff that goes around it. You know, plenty of uh, plenty of music and plenty of a uh, great atmosphere, and pl- plenty of side events with uh, for the kids and things like that to to, to enjoy. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's all. It's a pretty special uh, competition, and one that I, I really hope uh, maintains its prominence in the calendar. Well, you mentioned calendar there. There's been some announcements this week from from Euro Hockey, and some changes to the calendar. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Put me on the spot. I, I don't <laughs> think I can uh, maybe uh, itemise all of the different ones, but it, it has. I mean, with the with the changing nature of things, um, with the pro league is definitely the, has kind of caused a bit of a, a shift in these kind of things, and so that to, to align with all of that, so that the junior world cup is going to uh, you sort of move to a different spot in the year and all that kind of stuff. They've had to they, they moved the European under 21 junior championships, and then um, also the under 18s and things like that, so that we maintain a, a you know a proper pathway of competition all the way through to to help all the people's developments and stuff like that. Also, a number of the club competitions have have been moved around. They were initially some of them due to be next April and some of them due to be next June but uh, due to the clashes with the uh, the international game for, for a lot of different teams and things like that that uh, players being pulled left right and centre uh, to, to avoid those clashes they've uh, made the, the sensible moves to, to, to kind of move the calendar around and uh, accommodate everything make sure that uh, we get to all see the, 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 the hockey players at the, at the top end of the game in the, in the best possible light Unfortunately, that won't be playing with their clubs, will it necessarily? Well, I mean, the hope is that the uh, that the club game remains kind of a, you know, a key part of 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 uh, yeah hockey in Europe. You know, it's it's pretty much, you know, whilst it may not be in in every single continent, it is in quite a few of them that it does remain the bedrock of the. Uh, do you know where we get our players from? The where where people grow their love of the sport. I mean, we mentioned earlier in the thing about the the Sarahima family. About you know the kind of they've got parents and stuff like that on the on the board of directors of the club who are setting up the youth systems and making sure that they're funded and well run to make sure that uh, you know the the kids come through those systems and you know maybe they'll reach the top level of the game and uh, and really love it or and or else you know maybe they'll just be a social player or they'll be an umpire or something like that. Like it is it is the the natural. Uh, kind of breeding ground of, of, of hockey players worldwide, uh, you know, to, in these kind of, and uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be sad to see if uh, the, the, it kind of uh, lose its uh, lose its prominence, you know. So uh, yeah, I think, I, I'd like to think that the, that the club would remain very much uh, a central part of uh, the International Hockey Federation's thinking that, uh, and they do look to try and protect it and uh, and make make sure they give it its head and you know we, we've mentioned it a couple of times in the show before but we would love to see you know an international club competition you know rather than moving the other way to making sure that this doesn't happen i think you know something something like that would be a a great natural step forward hey, hey, hey. i agree with you Stephen. i was i was just wondering you know how the european clubs will because uh, no one knows how it's going to turn out but is a european clubs going to start to look at players from nations perhaps outside of those pro league teams because you know every nations outside the top 10 or or so nine, in the world nine, nine are, are still going to have players that are really really good players yeah 
Yeah, I think I mean, I mean, like there's a few things that are already happening at this point. So the Belgian league is is taking on a different format this year. They've gone to two groups of six that are playing out, and you know, and then and then from these different conferences, then they'll they'll form a third group in the in the second half of the season. So like they've kind of done that to adapt. Um, now that they should have all their players available for uh, for all the uh, you know for all the games in the second half of the season and. And things like that, but you know they, those are the players that they've contracted at the start of the season that they'll have available. To that end, there's a huge amount of uh, Irish guys that are now playing in the um, in the Belgian league this year. There's, so there's there's 20, 20, 20 of them have moved. And now that's probably because Ireland are the uh, other than India the best ranked um, side in the world uh, who are not playing in the pro league. Yeah, yeah. And so as a result of that, obviously they're, they're becoming more attractive to the. Um, to the to the pro clubs because you're going to have them for the whole season rather than the um, rather than having you know having them potentially you no know, we don't know which way it's going to go but potentially in the second half of the season these guys um, moving on like I mean I mentioned Gonzalo Payas earlier in the in the thing yeah. like you know Mannheimer you know obviously uh, they they want to make sure that he plays as much for them as possible but I mean if he's traveling around the world with Argentina it's going to be it's going to be pretty tough for him to you know, at the end of a, a long, hard pro league season, then to kind of come back and play play a couple of games for for them, and uh, it's something to you know, you know, for, from their own kind of player welfare kind of thing to to think about. You know, if they're playing all these games week in, week out, so many different things, and I suppose or vice versa, club if they're being paid particularly well by a club, and they're not getting money from the international uh, side, that. Uh, you know, yeah. where do they, uh, you know, do, do, do they end up going? Look, I'm going to retire or not play in this international tournament. A bit like Chris Gale in the in the cricket, exactly. that they, you know, that they, uh, they they just choose the money route because you know they, you know, you're not going to make an absolute mint out of hockey, but uh, you might make enough to to look after your 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 family and your kids and things like that. So it's, you know, it's uh, there's plenty of decisions that that have to be made from the, this perspective, and uh, yeah, that there does feel like there's a bit of a tension between the two. The, the other, I guess, the nice side on the on the uh, the Irish boys getting involved with the Belgian clubs is that they know that pro league is a is a four year contract, so they can actually build up some long term relationships with these guys, and uh, and 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 foster something which is good for club as well. Yeah, potentially. I mean, for, for <laughs> it's one of these things as well from from an Irish perspective. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of in a, in a it's it's something that uh, previous coaches have encouraged because it's kind of outsourcing kind of high development kind of stuff. I mean, if they're based in Ireland, they they would have to, you know, whilst they may may get the good international coaching week in week out, uh, you know, the, what they do in between may not be always uh, the best for their hockey. If you know what I mean, like the go, going to work at you know go to the gym at six in the morning, then going to work for eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And then they come back to do whatever session in the evening. This time, you know, they, they know that they'll be in a high-performance uh, environment that they won't be uh, snowed under with those kind of things. So, it, you know, for, from an Irish perspective, they 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 do realise that. I mean, from in in terms of kind of the the link-ups with the Belgian clubs, I suppose, you know, you do you do find that it it, it does depend very much on on the different on the different player. I mean, you've got Stephen Butler, who's probably one of the pioneers from an Irish perspective, who's gone over and. You know, become a, a real central figure in 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 dragons over in Belgium. He's he's gone on to be like a, a 
not quite a performance director, but kind of like a, in, involved in that realm in the club. And it, it's been a, you know, a, a really big boost for them. And he's kind of a, continued to have that link then between Ireland and Belgium, bringing over Shane O'Donoghue and Kirk Shimmons. Whereas other people, you know, might look at it a bit more, you know, utilitarian and maybe, you know, just going, look, I'm going to get, out, get what I want out of this year and then I'll be back in Ireland. So, I mean, it, it does depend on the players, but I suppose they can, they, they definitely can plan in that kind of way that, uh, that there will be opportunities for the next number of years. Well, look, just whilst you're on Irish hockey, we're going to let you go in just a moment. I don't know if you heard the, uh, the little clip from Enniscore, the hockey club a couple of weeks ago. Um, I know it, yeah. About, yeah, about how, you know, how well things are going. It's, the vibe is still good there back at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting now the next couple of weeks. I mean, the, 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 the National Leagues just kicked off last weekend, so I, I don't have any kind of a, you know, attendance counts and things like that, but I mean, the, the vibe after the World Cup was, was incredible. Like, you know, it's, it's one of these things you, like I work in newspapers over here and normally you'd have like a, it's, it's like a circuit of kind of promotion, promotions of like say National Health Week or, you know, breast cancer awareness or something like that, and you'd get a, a sports star along, and it, it would always be a, a soccer player, a rugby player, or a GA player. And then suddenly now we have all these uh, these Irish women's hockey players suddenly appearing, uh, you know, given their given their two cents about these kind of things. And that's you know, that's certainly become part of the mainstream, which is pretty pretty cool to see. I, I think it's a you know, so in, in whether it translates into uh, you know more more people picking up sticks now is the is the next step. Well, we wish you all power with that. We wish you and the Three Rock Rovers all power at the weekend. And, of course, uh, on the, the, the work side of things, we hope it all goes well. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic hockey. We'll be tuning in. Oh, looking forward to a great, another great EHL. It was fantastic last year. Excellent stuff. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. We'll speak soon. No worries. Talk to you soon. You are listening to The Reverse Stick. We are the Global Hockey Podcast. And that was Stephen Finlater from the EHL, the man that lets us all know what's going on. Communications chief or something? What are, what's chief, it? yeah, let's call him chief. Yeah, let's call him chief. What a font of knowledge. It's fantastic, isn't it? Just re- really great to get him on. And uh, I, I just love the way that he, he, he just rolls off the tongue, the, the players, the club names, um, it, Obviously, there's there's Irish and Dutch connections there. We've learnt that before from from Findo, but uh, it's oh, it's 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 like uh, uh, lyrical chocolate. It shows us up, that's for sure, <laughs> <laughs> big time. <laughs> now, where are we moving here? Are we going to have a rant? From lyrical you chocolate? Did lyrical I just chocolate. lyrical melted chocolate? Maybe Stephen. That anyway. doesn't sound that great, but I reckon with <laughs> the right marketing budget, you could do wonders with it. Go on. Uh, we did Youth Olympics, sorry for that. Um, let's go to Hockey Australia, shall we, John? No. Come on, let's go to Hockey Australia. The AHL, the AHL, the Australian. Bring it down, he's just bringing it down, folks. The Australian. No, the routine was, well, I, I did the sad thing and then you mentioned the dead chicken and then people felt sorry for you, but you just had to come straight in with the dead chicken, didn't you? John's lost Henrietta, unfortunately. Um, she, she was one of the AHL. she was one of a pair. Uh, well, it feels feels a bit like the death of uh, state hockey in Australia, doesn't it? Talking about your chicken, uh, this is the very last of the Australian hockey leagues. That's a state competition. That's Queensland versus New South Wales versus Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia, national. Yep. Uh, yeah, and he, yeah, all right. Um, this is it, the very last year. Um, as we've covered on the show before. 
there were lots of uh, trial games held with the view to innovation for our game, our great game, and uh, a quest for more celebratory moments for the game. Well, um, those trials happened. The feedback came back into Hockey Australia, um, and obviously the feedback that was received in the majority was <laughs> absolutely nowhere near what my feedback was on the, on the forums. <laughs> I don't know about yours, John. Um, I'm pretty sure we were compatibly ignored. But this weekend we see the the, uh, the very first uh, Australian Hockey League games in the new format in the very last version of the Australian Hockey League because from next year on it will be a franchised city-based competition. But tell us about what the state championships with over a hundred years of history will be gone. Don't worry about next year. Have a look at what's happening this year. So this year, John, we've got some rule innovations that get underway straight away. Yeah, because apparently Hockey Australia are in charge of rules of the game. Well, no, this is for the uh, the new format. Uh I'll tell you about the survey in a moment, John. Um, You might look. Give me hockey if you're listening. This is a bit slow for you. Uh, go to times two speed on your podcast app. Are they there yet? Quick. You can speed it up again now. There you go. Okay, that's fine. So the the new rules for the for the 2018 season, and this will be the last of the Australian Hockey League. So no, these rules. It's not last year was the last. Well, it was so. These are the ones that have been trialled. So four 15-minute quarters, that's happening. This yeah, is this. Whatever. 14 players in the match day squad for the round matches and 16 for the match day squad for the finals matches. That's the finals weekend. It's over over three or four weekends. Match day, though. A field goal conversion. When a field goal is scored, the same athlete will have an automatic one-on-one shootout with the goalkeeper for an extra goal. You're going to love this, John. Snort. Two times, five-minute pump plays. Pump it up. If but they play that, pump it. Pump, pump, pump plays. Oh. It sounds like some kind of strange sexual fetish um, site, whatever. But anyway, each, each team possesses a five-minute pump play to use at the end of either the second or fourth quarters. When teams are reduced to nine players each and where that team's goals are worth double... Conversions remain worth only one goal. The allocation of pump plays will be decided by the team which wins a pre-game coin toss. For example, tosses. If the coin toss winner elects to take their pump play at the end of the fourth quarter, the opposition must use at theirs at terrible, terrible writing here. You know what? At theirs at the end of the second quarter. In the second and fourth quarters, the clock is initially set for ten minutes. Then reset for a further five minutes for the pump play. That's a breakdown, obviously, there. Play will recommence with a centre pass taken by the team in possession of the pump play. Why uh, give us a bully. It, why is it that more the hockey community screams about making the game simpler, the more administrators try and make the game harder by just making it more complex? I think the pump play well, might make it harder. Oh, anyway, um, I'll go on, John, very quickly. All matches must have an outright result, so drawn matches will be decided in a penalty shootout. A penalty shootout. Is it a shootout? Is it a one-on-one? Whew. Five points for a win, two points to each team in the event of a draw. A shootout will occur to determine the outright winner. 
One point will be awarded to the winner of the shootout, zero points to the loser of the match. Will they be hitting loaded balls? I mean, that would make it really interesting. Well, what's interesting, though, is you go... A real shootout. But then you link to the page that says, this is what we're aiming for for 2019, and that goes down to four times 12-minute quarters, 14 players in the match day squad, a lot of the other stuff, two two times five-minute power plays, not pump plays. Where does pump plays come from? I don't know what a pump play is. But I reckon in the truest Australian spirit, what they should do is conduct these things that they have at the end of the game to decide it. The goalie should dress up in like a steel helmet with steel plating as body armour, and then you get all of the forwards to dress up in blue jackets with little blue hats, shooting at them. And that's the sort of shootout Australians love. So the next step, John, is, you know, this is on the Hockey Australia website with regard to the 2019 and disappearance of the AHL. Is, uh, looking to the future, the development of quality and competitive teams across the country is critical to the ongoing success and commercialisation of the competition. In 2019, talent will be equalised through the introduction of a player draft. South Australia, Tasmania, ACT and Northern Territory will be eligible to select up to four international players as part of their men's and women's squads in 2018 as a stepping stone. That's happening now. And, and then equalising the quality of the eight teams in the men's and women's competition 2018. So I know there's a, uh, a, a Dutch girl who's been playing at our club. She's playing for the Northern Territory uh-huh. th- this season. So it's not so much Australian internationals, but they can pull in international players. Explain the franchise model to me. Uh, eight cities. No, explain the model to me. <laughs> well, the view is to try and push the game to a pro level, John. A pro level. Um, it's, 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 well. We're a nation that's full of hockey clubs, and you tell me they're going to go out and create eight new, new franchises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. To push things at a pro level. Let's, let's have a look at how pro level Australian hockey is. Uh, men's team in the top four for the last 30, 40 years? Are you kidding me? Well, amateur or pro. I mean, uh, what is, what do they hate about our sport so much? Who? What a who, hey? Who? Who? The, the, always the who. It's it, it, administrators, it's not, not like not your generation. No. Well, when I hear about people wanting to change the rules, what I hear, what I'm hearing is that people don't like the game, as it is. Yeah. Why, why would you need to change the rules? And now, if the, the need to change the rules is to market to new people, my answer would be, why don't you market to the people you already have? Yeah, it's frustrating that people, the, you know, people within Australian hockey think that we need to change things because it's not working let's market it and they never spent a penny on it consciously in the past 10 years so it's insane on on, on the existing good product there um, John I've got a survey this week as well from Hockey oh, Australia I did that survey <laughs> Um, Very interesting, wasn't it? It was basically asking us what logo we liked best. Uh, that, that, come on, that's essentially what it was, wasn't it? It, it, it didn't it, ask us if we liked the logo, it just asked us which one we liked best. Yeah, um, so it's with the regard to the new concept for the replacement of the, the AHL system, this, this uh, um, new whiz-bang competition for next year based on franchises, um, so we were given three options, weren't we, John, on yeah. potential names for the competition, all but were based around Hockey One, which I actually don't mind if we if we if, if we continue with the Hockey Two, Hockey Three. 
That would be a great way to start it. So the survey goes, below is a description of the new professional hockey competition called Hockey One to be launched in 2019. Please review this thoroughly and click continue to proceed. Oh, I will do. Hockey One is a bold new concept designed to showcase the very best of hockey in a fast and exciting game played over a six-week period. Each spring, after the AFL and NRL finals have finished. Internationally, oh, internationally relevant there. Each state and territory will be represented by one of eight brand new franchise teams. Each with a men's and women's team with the country's leading female and male stars contributing equally to their side success and under equal conditions. A fair draft system and carefully trialled rule modifications have been designed to deliver a free-flowing, attack-minded, action-packed game. Expert commentary and innovative broadcast techniques will see the leading f- fixture of each round broadcast live across the nation. Game day venues will deliver energetic experiences and fun tailored towards rewarding family experiences. Hockey One has developed three taglines they would like to use to promote the new competition. Looking at each of the three potential taglines, please select the one you think is the easiest to remember. One. Australian Premier League. Two, real hockey, reimagined. Three, Australian Super Series. And then it goes on to, now looking at each of these logos, carefully please tell us one word that describes what each tagline means to you. You don't really want to know what the one words that I put down um, in in the survey. Nothing. None of them mean anything to me. That would, once again, you don't get this concept, John. This, we've gone through this in the show before. I, I said, give me one word or give me two words in response to this. And I wrote... You, no, see, you did... <laughs> in the one word bit. I did it. Will you I say, did one word. We'll just say nothing. I, that's what I did. Nothing. It's oh, hard work sometimes. They think they've got a prog- product there, um, John, obviously. Um, well, they do. It's called hockey. Yeah. There well, is a product. There. It's hockey, it's hockey one. By the way, I don't like the number one over the N, the second part of the N in the logo. It's cause it's like, it's like one plus one, like eleven. Eleven? Yeah. You mean oh. eleven aside? Maybe that's what. That, that's what it's gonna be. An eleven aside competition played in two thirty-five minute halves with extra time if the game's a draw before a penalty shooty thing. Golden goal? No. No, proper extra time. John, let's take a break and let's then head next to Poetry Corner. You haven't got long because we've got another interview to get in. Come what, on. What was that? It up. This is the Reverse Stick, the Global Poetry Podcast. Well, thanks for joining us uh, today at the Reverse Stick, the Global Poetry Podcast. And... Uh, just like to share a little bit of uh, hockey poetry with you that <laughs> we've, uh, we've picked up over the past few days and uh, just give you a little reading and hope you enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it. I love to play my hockey. It's the only sport for me. A stick, a ball, some shinnies and an ice pack for my knee. I dribble around the oppo with some cheeky 3D skill. Then roof it past the keeper. This game is blooming brill. But the umpy blows the whistle. You need better control. You cannot kick a hockey ball. Sixteen. It's not a goal. 
What are you talking about, Umps? Look, it's not that hard. Should have kept my trap shut. I've earned myself a card. Five minutes on the naughty chair. Oh no, you've earned a yellow. The umpires rarely get it wrong. Calm down. You need to mellow. Oh God. Five, <laughs> five minutes to reflect. I've left my teammates in a hole. But now, go get back on the pitch and score that winning goal. I, I tell you what, that... That's, that, that's the first one. That's the first one. That brings uh, real shades of William McGonagall. So, a big thank... That, that, that is... A big thanks to Lump Month, at L-U-M-P Month on Twitter, uh, raising funds for breast cancer awareness, I believe, and asking umpires there to donate some match fees. Follow those guys on Twitter. Um, just one more little quick one. This is the... Uh, the keeper's ode, or the the odor, or the odor to keeper, or or something like that. This uh, equally from uh, uh, lump month and uh, Murph goalie Murph. You kicked this one off. It's a tough life being a keeper. It hurts to take a fall, but then again, it's always great to finally stop a ball. It takes a certain person, one who isn't so bow legged. I tried keeping goal one time, but got constantly nutmegged. Some say keepers are smelly. In sweaty gear they dress. But just ask Davy Hart. He'll say it's the sweet smell of success. Yeah, especially if you're playing behind me, because all my team's wieners, apparently. Yeah, and his shirt stinks. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast, and if you're a regular listener or you follow us on social media, you would know that we have a TRS World Eleven made up of um, all manner of players from all around the world, and we're really pleased that we're finally getting around to getting some interviews happening and introducing some of the hashtag TRS World Eleven. Joining us on the Reverse Stick today is John O'Shea from the UK. John, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, lads. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you after all this time. John, um, how did you take the news of being a, a member of the TRS World Eleven? Um, shock, because uh, to be honest, lads, I saw it on, on Twitter. And I said, you know what, I'll stick in an application for a bit of crack. <laughs> and then didn't hear anything. Got an email and um, turned around to my, uh, my now wife and went, uh, I'm now a sponsored player. Now she plays a higher level of hockey than me and has been involved in hockey a lot longer than I have. And her face dropped and she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I've applied for this podcast and uh, they've said they've said they'd sponsor me. She's like, what? I'm like, well, I put in on bang average and I think that's what's got me over the line. <laughs> John, you're absolutely right. And uh, do you mind, can we now call you the goat man? We'll get to that in a moment. But goat man... Um, Yes, yeah. you did say you're bang average. You said you only took the sport up seven years ago and that you like to hit the ball really hard. Um, so, yeah. so you're a relative newbie to the game. Yeah, so like, um, as you can tell, I'm from Ireland. Um, bit of a giveaway. <laughs> so I moved over here, I moved over here eight years ago to Bangor in North Wales to do a teaching degree to become a teacher. And then when I completed that in 2011, I moved down to Birmingham. Um, I moved in 
moved in with uh, with a lad Matt Lawrence's name, and he was playing ho- hockey with Harborn. And my my now wife then girlfriend was uh, also playing with Harborn. So I was like, Do you know what? I wouldn't mind you know, taking it up, see what see what it's all about, see what hockey's all about. Like, and coming from a GA background from playing hurling, like I thought, you know, my hand hand eye would be all right, and I'd be able to hit the ball. Yeah. So I went down to that first training session. Um, oh, sorry, no, that's a lie. I played mixed summer league in the club, and I looked like. I, yeah, I looked like a goat holding a hockey stick. I hadn't a clue what to do. I didn't know. I was kicking it. I was missing it. I was just, I don't know. I was like, what am I doing this for? But then, you know, I started going down. No, down get out. So you just said you looked like a goat. When you're joking, aren't you? I said I looked like, yeah, I looked, I looked like a goat holding a hockey stick. <laughs> well, that's, what, a, what a perfect name. Goat man. Yeah, it's beautiful, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's it's amazing. Nice symmetry. <laughs> Now, obviously, the reason, so, uh, the, the reason, the reason you called the goat man is because you didn't have a nickname, but you did send us a photo of you in a field with some goats. Yeah, so that's, uh, that was, uh, that was in France. That was up, up the Alps, and there was a couple of goats sitting down, and I was like, you know what? I'll take a photo <laughs> and, uh, see, see what happens. <laughs> Little did I know that would come back to haunt me. <laughs> now, you started playing at Harborn, you're still playing at Harborn? I am, yeah, still playing with Harborn, so yeah, this is my eighth season with them, so I spent the first half season with the fives, and then moved up to the fours, I, I'd like to say it was because of good performances, it definitely wasn't, um, they found out that from short corners, like, I hit the ball hard, and on target, and, and keep it on the ground, so I think that's where it was called, um, so yeah, so I was kept in the fours then for uh, the next, I think, five years, and played the odd kind of game with the threes and that, and then last year... Um, the threes called me up, and I've been with the threes ever since. Oh. Um, which is really, which is really good because the threes is now made up of. I think I'm one of the youngest. I'm 33 years of age, like so. Um, it's pretty, pretty good. But it's made up of lads who used to play like Harbour ones and play the national league and that. Yeah. So I'm getting a lot, a lot of stuff put on a plate, and I probably miss more than I score. But you know, I'm getting a few more goals than I used to, which is, which is great. Like. Well, tell, first off, tell us about some of those lads in the team. Are there any particular characters that you know you want to give a shout out to, or, or let, uh, let the yeah. hockey world know about? Yeah. So where do I start? So there's one lad, Dan Fox, who plays up front with me. Um, and Foxy, he's played, he's played with Bourneville, he's played with Worcester, uh, played with Harborn. He is the master of drinking games. He knows every single rule not, of, uh, not, of uh, every single drinking game. That's not Rod Fox's son, is it? That is Rod Fox. Oh, well, there you the go. Here we go. Man Adam has another connection. Oh, Ask Dan no. Fox. Uh, we had some time at Evesham Hockey Club together and a, uh, uh, a rather interesting tour to Holland, actually, many, many uh, years ago. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask him. I'll be seeing him at training tonight, so I'll ask him that. But, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, to be fair to him, he's, he's, very, he's very good at offering advice um, and just kind of putting you in the right direction, things to do. Like um, He's also doing a bit of coaching with our, with our juniors, so he's teaching them how to stick block and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a good lad. I remember picking him up from college in Brum, actually, and taking him to training one night many, many moons ago. Anyway, enough about my, my hockey. What about other blokes in that team there? Um, so you've definitely heard of James Wright then. A uh, bit, uh, bit of a legend in Midlands hockey. He scored, I think, uh, he scored about four or 500 goals for, for Harbour uh, throughout, the, throughout the years. And he's, again, I think he played Worcester for a bit. Um, and then you've got the captain, Tom Oliver. So Tom is, yeah, Tom's a good, good lad. Um, we have our goalie, our new goalie this year, Dom. He's come up from the juniors. He... Um, funny story about him he lost his phone for six months 
and he found it. It was under his pillow in his bed. <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, his reasoning his reasoning was, I didn't check there because I didn't think it would be there. <laughs> no, I <am>, obviously. Or <laughs> bothered changing his sheets in that time. Disgusting. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. That is it is vile, like, oh but uh, yeah. Um, and then you know we've got a couple of a couple of lads who like our club president Andrew Litchfield plays, and uh, he played once half a years ago as well. Uh, he plays centre back, and then we've got Jez Ballock, who has uh, I think he's played twenty twenty five years for Harbour, nineteen of them were in the f- nineteen or eighteen, and win the first uh, first team. Uh, again, he helps out with the junior club, um, and yeah, it's a it's a go- it's a good bunch of lads. Um, don't take themselves too seriously. Um, you learn quite a lot often because you know they've, they've been there, done that. Um, um, yeah, no, no, really good, really good lads. A, a good team, good team to be in, and a good team to go into last year because we walked the league. With, I think we had a plus one hundred goal difference, so what? we slot into. Yeah, well, we had uh, we had Dan Fox up front and Jez, and yeah, we 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 won won quite a lot of games by. A lot. If he's scoring that many goals, he's got to be a prima donna. Got to be a pretty boy. Does he have nice? Keep his hair nice and neat. Does I, he? I'll stand about the uh, Marichans. The Marichans, I will. I'll ask that. No, he's, uh, he, he likes his fashion. You know, he does like his fashion, but he's he's well able to get stuck in. You know, he's, he he doesn't he doesn't hang back. Like he's well able to get stuck in. Um, he's um, yeah, he's he's a, he, Foxy's a good lad, so he is. So John, when the goat man hits the field, where does he line up? Um, so with threes I play up front and that's where I started but a couple of times I've been dropped into midfield I don't know why because I haven't got the legs for it um, but I, I think it's my, my destructive nature of just breaking up play and play <laughs> I get dropped in don't yeah, man, so. don't man, we need a word with the coach because we've we've got you in our at- attacking lineup. Um, we really yeah. don't need you being played out of position um, it's quite important to um, you know, service the contract and all of that that you you're up front and you're scoring goals. Yeah, no, no. Um, with with the three now, I'm I'm firmly up front. Good. Uh, so so don't worry about that. Okay, that's great. Um, so how's the season looking? Have you have you got a, the first game or two under your belt yet? Uh, yeah, we played last week. So they've you you probably know from the the Midlands League. It used to be a closed league, so you'd have a first team league, second team league, third team league. So what they've done is they've opened it up, so we're in a brand new um, division with new teams that we ne- that some of us never played before. So we won our first game last week against Kings Heath Ones. We will bet them five two. Um, so that was good start to the league. So we're playing Hampton Twos on Saturday in Hampton. So see how that goes. Yeah, I think it's a sensible decision over there. There's a lot of clubs that have struggled where they were forced to play first team versus first team and there was nowhere else for them to go but look, go and lose every week. And so I think it's a positive thing for hockey there and it's obviously been something which has uh, happened in other areas in the UK for quite a few years. So that that's good. Um, oh, it's a, br- it's a brilliant decision because you have... It have four teams going up to play like Birmingham Uni Fours, Beeston Fours, Loughborough Fours, and yeah. get absolutely hammered. I just, it just, you just lose interest there. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we let you go, what are the teas like at the club? Uh, hit and miss. We, uh, oh, we no. get, we get, we get sausage and chips most most of the time. But uh, our captain Tom Oliver is quite good. He, every now and again, he uh, treats us to samosas. <laughs> uh, Those fried ones from the supermarket, a packet yeah, of forty. He can, he, he can get a hundred for like thirty p each. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Whack them on the oven tray. 
yeah, it's not too bad, like. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that, let me go. That, that's no, that's nothing yeah. compared if you go to Bar for Tigers though, because the teas there were oh, always yeah. magnificent. They they are they're phenomenal now, to be fair. To them. But uh, before before you go, I'm going to just do a bit of self promotion, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for um, it. So you guys obviously follow the Harbour Twitter account. Yes, we do. Um, so I am part of that. I run most of that, um, and I just want your listeners to every Saturday tune into the Harbour Twitter account when we have Griff's Diary. Um, which gets which gets published every Saturday morning, and it's a diary of our men's first team captain. And it's very entertaining, and I read it every week. Um, it is. Some, yeah. Some, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm absolutely baffled and confused about the content um, with it. Um, but, 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 but I always um, I always have a, always have a chuckle. Um, is he Scottish? He well, Griff is. He follows Scotland in rugby. Yeah. Well, that's what, well. I get. I got that. Uh, uh, right. Are we going to have this great Britain debate again? Are we? No, he's he's born and born and bred in Birmingham, so he is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like much like myself, half Scots, quarter English, quarter Irish. Oh God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my grand and granddad got married around the corner from Villa Park. You're virtually homeless, oh. aren't you? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, so Griff Griff is uh, Griff's our, our club captain, our first team captain, and. You know, he's just, he provide most of the stuff that's written in there, he's provided that himself, because he's just, you know, he's an absolute hero, but he just gets himself into some awful scrapes. But, um, so what's the, what's the Twitter handle for that? It is at Harborn HC. H-A-R-B-O-R-N-E HC. Yeah, HC, yeah. Um, and just a, a quick one on that Griff's diary. So, my dad was new to Twitter last year, so he followed, you know, followed Harborn because I think I was tweet, I tweeted something out. And he uh, he looked at Chris Diary and he was he recognised my handwriting so he he was <laughs> texting me going he's like who's this Griff fella I was like oh he's one of the lads of plays and he's like all right so for a long time he was convinced that Griff was a figment of my imagination <laughs> until <laughs> until my stag do where uh, where Griff Griff was on it and he met my dad and honest to God the two of them had the great the greatest weekend of all time <laughs> well he knew so much about him already didn't he <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Now, just one more from me, John, before we let you go. Goatman. Goatman, sorry. Um, yeah. Where do you stand on the bully? Bully? I think it's a, it's just a, a mad rule. I just don't understand it. I don't really understand the rules full stop, lads. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because there's a quite a few other people around the world in fairly elevated positions that don't know the rules either. Anyway, mm. there's more of that coming up in the show. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Look, Goat Man, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. We wish you all the best for the season in the uh, new configured leagues and hope you keep on banging in the goals on your social media account. So you're, you're across everything, aren't you? You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram. You're, yeah. I think you're probably even on LinkedIn, aren't you? And Pinterest. Uh, I probably am, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's mainly Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> and your handles for that, for those are? Is so on Twitter I'm at Jono twenty so it's J O H N N O twenty and my Instagram is at J O S H A twenty. Keep using the hashtag TRS World Eleven and uh, we'll do lads. As the season goes on, we'll update the listeners with how you're getting on and and hopefully at the end of the season we can uh, maybe get a club song out of you. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah get the boys on to that. I need to ask Foxy if you have a club song. <laughs> Just write one. Oh yeah, no worries. You, you probably you probably would have noticed you don't need a lot of imagination. 
No, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've got her that. <laughs> Go, man. Thanks for, your, thanks for your time. We'll let you get back to class. And thanks for your support, no too, John. Yeah, no worries, lads. Take it easy. All the best. All right, good luck, good luck. And that was, if you hadn't guessed, the Goat Man here on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, the first of our TRS <laughs> World Eleven. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure the Goat Man um, realised how he'll... loud the goats were behind him. Then, oh look, he's doing great. I, I know he says he was on holiday in the south of France, but no, he was at school in in the broom cupboard, I think. No, he's hurting his goats. Wasn't Good luck to Harbin Hockey Club, anyway. Good luck there, fantastic John, and yeah. uh, keep in touch. Hashtag TRS World Eleven. You can follow that on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And likewise, you can follow us at the Reverse Stick on all of those formats. Get uh, in touch. How do you reckon he's going to go on the goal scoring sheet for the season? I think uh, let's go uh, twelve for the season. Twelve for the season. Okay. Um, we'll lay down a personal challenge. Talk about goal scoring uh, very quickly. Hat trick, John. What? Love to see him get a hat trick. If you get a hat trick, what are you going to do? Say well done. Uh, all right. <laughs> what a great idea. And you'll receive our very best wishes. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, Tan- also on hashtag TRS World 11, Tansy Lee. Yep. Uh, I predicted a 2 0 win for the, for his boys at the weekend. Uh, they had a 3 1 win. So 2 0. Same and. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. It works out that way. That's right. Um, unless you're in a fancy team like I am at Rotten Row Blue Sox, uh, currently 35th position there at the moment, John. I'm not how happy. How many? Um, about 60 I think but um, strangely it's enough right. hashtag TRS World 11 you're not ba- even on the same continent you should be happy with that hashtag TRS World 11 Baggy Bagshaw um, he, he, he's in my team he happens to be the top manager in the competition and the bloke who's organised it as well something really? fishy going on there might be um, bit of feedback um, well let's go to India first You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and our friends at uh, Give Me Hockey will be stoked to know that this week's episode is going extra long, folks. Yeah, I can't believe he reckoned that episode 66 could have been done done and dusted in 40 minutes. Really? Uh, yeah, well, he hasn't listened to our one hour 57 episode. <laughs> Thanks for staying with us, ladies and gentlemen. You're most welcome. Um, going to be pushing that today if you get teed off here. I've got some stuff I want to talk about China, um, but I'm not going to do that now. We haven't got time. And it would be remiss of me before we go not to mention, uh, I guess the social media storm coming out of Indian hockey, uh, and hockey India, and of course, uh, we had the the latest uh, Hockey India elections, um, and a new Hockey India president has been uh, um, announced, unopposed, I think, uh, Mushtaq Ahmed. And pretty much as soon as <laughs> he was in the role, um, things blew up a little bit. Now, uh, a report came out in the Indian press with regard to uh, a review and a report of a review uh, taken out by David John, the high performance director at Hockey India, over the performance of the Indian team at the the Asian Games. So David John's written a report about and along along along, along along with his his uh, his coaching team as now, the high performance director. Yes. Okay. Now we can go to Times of India, and the headline is. Uh, 
senior India hockey players put on notice after Asian Games failure. Inconsistency, complacency and defensive errors marred the Indian men's hockey team's disappointing Asian Games campaign. It goes on. Uh, these are some of the key observations of the Indian hockey's coaching staff and high-performance director, David Ian John, who have submitted a detailed report on the men's team's ASEAD campaign, as you'd expect. Um, as a fallout of the poor show of the men, most of the senior players have been put on notice by Hockey India. Reflecting on the key points of the report, a senior member of the coaching staff told Times of India that senior players like Srajesh, Sardar Singh, S.V. Sunil, Rupinder Pal Singh were off-colour during the whole tournament and didn't lead from the front in crunch situations. Did you notice I didn't mention anybody's name then? I just said a senior member of the coaching staff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like well-known, the senior member of the coaching staff, yeah, yeah, alongside yeah. the um, unnamed, unnamed official. Yeah. Yeah. While Sardar announced his retirement, um, Sunil and Rapindra have been axed from India squad for the Hero Champions Trophy in Oman. Srijesh has retained his place in the 18-member squad because, according to the official, there's a gap between Srijesh and the two next best Indian goalkeepers. Like other seniors, Srijesh's performance will also be monitored in every tournament. That's why we have started grooming the, ne- the next two best goalies. Uh, similarly, it would be difficult for Rupinder and Sunil to make a comeback, though they are still in the mix for the World Cup. The official had another interesting piece of information to share. Srijesh won't be your captain at the uh, World Cup. Manpreet Singh will lead the side. He has already been named captain for the Champions Trophy. So has there's he? something going on behind the scenes there, isn't there? Has he been named captain of the Champions Trophy? Yes, yes, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, we skip on a couple of days, John. We've got a new president, obviously, at Hockey India. We do. Um, David John wrote a report. David John didn't speak to the press. However, uh, same publication. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Hockey India decided to drop its high-performance director, David John, from the Men's Senior Team Selection Committee for showing bias against a few senior players. <laughs> Expressing his displeasure at John discussing with the media India's disappointing performance in the Asian Games and its likely fallouts on some players, newly elected Hockey India President Mushtaq Ahmed decided to remove him from the selection panel. Here we go. I'm not happy with David John commenting on individual players who played in Asian Games. As a matter of policy, principle... We do not allow discussion on individual players in public domain. And John, by discussing that, has broken all protocols, Mushtaq, who was elected as Hockey India chief on Monday, said. Observing the bias of David John against few players of senior men's team, I've decided that John will not be a part of the senior men's selection committee for the World Cup. This is to ensure fairness in selection without any prior bias against anyone in anyone's mind. Do you know why, and I know we're talking about a women's team versus a men's team, do you know why Hockey New Zealand, uh, quite successful, and um, India, for all, everything it's got going for it, uh, is their performances are relatively poor? Well, by expectation. Mark Hager. Remember what happened? Remember when Mark Oh, yeah, the letter. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah. they had this letter from these girls in the team, and, then, and basically what happened is is well yeah that's what coaches do and this well, is it's not, it's not gone away yet that to be fair that's not no, gone away no no but i mean th- this is <laughs> no you write a report and look and and apparently the things contained in the report 
report were true. There's, there's no there's no debate on that at all. Um, there's strange things afoot there at the moment. Um, the junior coach Jude Felix um, popped up with some comments in IndianExpress.com. Um, about how upset he was that he wasn't going to the Youth Olympic Games and was going to Sultan of Johor. But David John had said to him that Sultan of Johor was more important. Now, David John is now listed as being the uh, team coach for both the men's, the, sort of the girls and the boys under 18 teams in Buenos Aires for the Youth Olympics. That also um, re- prompted um, some quite inflammatory responses uh, with regard to how is he now the head coach from being high performance director how is the head coach for the for the boys and the girls teams over there well the simple reality is the head coaches are still the head coaches that were there before but you're limited to having two officials um, per team out there so by having him as the head coach for both of those sides it gives them an opportunity to have an extra person to go along as as part well, of the, the support team director going to an under 18 tournament um, is there an argument for it, or is a high performance director actually the high performance director, or uh, is he the junior development director? Mm, well, there you go. There's questions being asked apparently by the new by the by the by the new president to to Elena Norman. Is some report has been requested on what has been done for grassroots hockey um, in India in the past couple of years under his tenure. Now, what better way to respond to having a <laughs> A new president who's asking questions about grassroots hockey than to accompany your under-18 international team to the Olympic Games, the Youth Olympic Games. Ah, it's a bit of a muddle and a mess over there at the moment. Um, yeah, he's not on the selection committee anyway. I don't know why he should be anyway. Why have you got a selection committee? Trust your coach. <laughs> I'm going to start it today because we mentioned before we did have some uh, feedback from uh, Gimme Hockey. Gimme Hockey at Hockey IND on Twitter. That we're too long and I would just like to publicly agree with Gimme Hockey. Yes, we are too long. Uh, But it's what we do and yes, I'm sorry, just like Matt says, speed it up a bit. But what I will also say, Matt, is that I'd love to do this every day. I'd love to do it half an hour every day. But we can't, because we can't afford it. And there's so much we'd love to do if we could. We're doing what we can, and there's so much to fit in. Um, bear with us, please. Give me hockey. Because yeah. uh, we like your work. We love your work, and we love our game. You know, That's why yeah. we do it. Um, whilst we're talking about loving our game, the new book out from there's uh, Sarah Juggins and Rich Stanthorpe um, covering the, the World Cup under an orange sky. Check that out. Another great hockey publication that's out there. Uh, it's my dad's birthday this weekend, John. Have, oh, have, Morris. Happy well, birthday, happy Morris. Happy birthday. Um, former goalkeeper. Love you, Dad. Anyway, have a great day. Um, there's a there's a TRS Bring Back the Bully T-shirt. That'll be coming out on social media very soon. Oh, really? It's going to be one of these uh, sort of minimum amount of purchases before it gets go, goes to print. So uh, if you're listening and you want to support the podcast, and we you know we might make eight dollars out of it or something like that i mean in total if we sell ten um check check that out um oh one more thing thank you for joining us today on the international day of sitting in a shed talking crap (laughs) see you next week for episode 68
think we've kind of done the podcast thing now, John. I think we need to to expand. I think I think we need to um, let our creative juices flow a little bit more. And Isn't that um, what the gags were about. 